When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The wink is to me, it says, I'm a creep. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. You want reckless speculation? How about reckless trade speculation? Mackie and Judd with Rami. Score North. Score North app. Also available via podcast anywhere you find podcasts. Apple, Spotify, or the aforementioned Score North app. And we would appreciate a five-star review and uh, a nice positive comment about Judd Zulgad. Not only do we appreciate it. I don't know about you guys. My fragile ego needs it. Feeds on. Needs it. I got ripped last night I can't get out of bed in the morning. It was glorious. You look good today, by the way. Oh, thank you. Get the hair and the collared shirt. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I'm going to the suite tonight. Oh, at the right. You're going to the suite tonight. I thought it was that he had four hours off from on air shifts. <laughs> went home and got a good nap. I went home, watched some, I went home, watched some TV, re- recovered from the guy that suggested that the Vikings revoke my press credential last night on Twitter. <laughs> oh, boy. We'll get into some of that. Called me uh, bleep clown. <laughs> Very, we can, not, you bleep the right word. Congratulations. Thank, thank you, you very much. Right now. Say, we back. can say that word, can't we? You can say, yeah, you can say the word that you bleep there. Unless, can you? Unless it was a four-letter word ending with clown. No. I've never heard those two words. No, it's a three-letter word beginning yeah. with an A. You can say that. But yeah, you can say that. That, that, that you aired on the side of and keeping our license. the right word? So here's my question to you gentlemen off the top of the show here, right? The winter meetings are over. Everyone flies back. They do the Rule 5 draft in the morning, and then everyone flies back. They're on the plane right now. The twins are? Lavelle that? just tweeted that, that he's on a plan with Bill Smith, Terry Ryan, some Twins officials. Yeah, they're all coming back. Bill Smith? Bill Smith, I guess, is coming back here. Terry Ryan is, too. Okay. I see what you're doing here. No, I'm tell- No, I'm not trying to joke around. It's just a bunch of people, baseball people, who are coming back here. I wasn't trying to be... No, I wasn't trying to be, uh, you I, know... Because I, no. you may I have, see what you're saying. I'm you doing, may have I'm stumbled into uh, something that makes sense, though, because you would think that... The general managers that would be flying back would be the Bill Smith, Terry Ryan group because this is exactly what usually happened at the winter meetings when they were in charge of the front office too, which is nothing. That's true. Nothing happened for the twins at the front at the uh, winter meetings. A uh, billion dollars, a billion dollars were spent on free agents this week. Steven Strasburg, well, or even just like in the couple days before, in the last week, Steven Strasburg, Anthony Rendon, Garrett Cole, a bunch of other guys have signed. And the Twins, and again, the winter, the, the winter is still long, the rest of December and January, but 
if they don't get Madison Bumgarner, and it looks like now that the Dodgers are in the mix and the Angels are in the mix on on him and Ryu, if they don't come up with Madison Bumgarner or Hyunjin Ryu, how will you feel about that? How will you guys feel if Derek Falvey and Thad Levine are left out in the cold with no top starting pitching? I'll be very disappointed. It's w- not the end of the world, but it definitely won't feel good. I would think you'd be disappointed. I would think that if you have an opportunity to... And, and the one thing is, this process gets expedited a bit because we all think, oh, ba- all the baseball people are gathering in San Diego and all these deals are going to happen, and a lot of them did, which, as a baseball fan, was fantastic. Uh, but yeah, if nothing happens in the next few weeks, and then it just sort of begins to drag, and then the Twins sign somebody that we're all like, oh, yawn, I'll be very disappointed. And I think Twins fans should be. And again, it goes back to what I told you guys probably on Monday or Tuesday, which is this this is a perfect opportunity. And most importantly, it makes sense. It makes sense not to shut people up to say, I shut you up. But there are guys out there that this team could definitely use. And it all dovetails together for this to be an opportunity to quiet those critics because there's people out there with really good pitching arms who could help you, Rami. Yeah. I mean, it's not that hard to me. Again, it's not the end of the world. There will be other avenues to improve if they swing and miss in free agency. If they get, as I put it on Score North Live today, left out in free agency cold. But you're not going to feel good about this as a Twins fan or as somebody who follows the Twins if they went the entire free agency period without making one significant addition, especially to their pitching staff. And at this point, I don't know that anything really satisfies that craving that I have other than Madison Bumgarner, maybe Ryu. And I don't even know that Ryu does it. After that, it's all just, I don't know, to stick with my appetite analogy, it's all just like appetizers. It's like it's like a little bag of chips to hold me over until the real meal comes. Well, if it's Funyuns, then. Yeah, but it's, I'm still going to be hungry. I think, so they. Funyuns ain't doing the job, man. I'm hungry. I got you. Hungry. You ever use Funyuns for like, uh, yes. like macaroni and cheese yes. crust or something? Absolutely. Yeah. Breading for like some chicken tendies. Yeah, throw that oh, out there man. real quick. Ooh. So I, you know, Falvey and Levine talk a lot about it's not just about having one plan or two plans. They always have plan D, E, F, G, right? I think their plan A was Zach Wheeler. And I think they leave the winter meetings a little shell-shocked <laughs> based on the prices of pitching. How, how If Zach Wheeler was your number one target, and I don't know if you guys read Mark Carrig's. Actually, I know you did because you sent mm-hmm. it to me this morning in an email. Mark Carrig's breakdown in their pursuit of pitching. Their best offer, according to him, their final offer was five years, a hundred million. They didn't even come close to the hundred eighteen million that that he finally accepted. And even if they had, there was a report that the White Sox offered about a million dollars more in their deal that in their offer that they made to Zach Wheeler. It wasn't good enough because he wanted to be out east. His fiance's family is all in the Philadelphia area, so it might not have been enough, but. I don't look at that as a substantial offer or or a or enough of an offer to say you really tried to go and get Zach well, Wheeler. We also don't know what the bidding process was too. It's because because remember Doogie came on this show or I, actually he said this on the Scoop podcast and then we brought it up on the show a few weeks ago, like like two weeks before the winter meetings, and he said Zach Wheeler's camp is essentially saying eighty four. I don't know if it was Zach Wheeler's camp. He reported that Zach Wheeler would sign. For about seventeen million dollars a year, right now, if someone offered him a five-year deal, seventeen million dollars a year, so whatever the math works out, eighty-five, ninety million dollars, that he would he would sign right now. And uh, multiple teams probably got in on the discussion, and the price goes up to a hundred some million dollars. It's possible the Twins offered five years because I 
just to back up a step, do I think the difference between the Twins getting Zach Wheeler was their unwillingness to go to 110 or 118 when they're already on the table for $100 million over five years? Because we'd literally be talking about like an extra 2 or $3 million per year if they went up to 115 or 118. I don't think it was about the money difference. And I, my guess is the Twins offered 5 and 100, and Zach Wheeler said, you know what? I'd rather play for one of these other two teams. So let's just let's just leverage the Twins in a bidding war and get a couple extra bucks so I can play out east. We don't know that that Zach Wheeler's camp stared back at the Twins and said, "Hey, if you mit 120, he's playing in Minnesota." I'm going to guess that that's and the Twins said, "Nope, too, oh, that's too much. That's too rich for our blood." Uh, like we just don't know the order of of what happened in, in that situation. That's true. But I think that was the plan A, and they put a lot of chips on the table. They clearly decided we're going to go nine figures for Zach Wheeler. And when nine figures turned into nine figures plus $18 million and he doesn't want to play here anymore, okay, all right, well, that's a tough blow. Our plan A is off the table. Let's turn to plan B. Oh, my God, plan B is also going to be $125, $130 million. I don't know if they thought there would be this many nine-figure, number two, number three caliber starters going off at the winter meetings or at least like reportedly asking for $110, $120 million. But then she- I, think I think they were shell-shocked by the price of pitching, honestly. That might be the case, but if that but if that's why they are now out or not in on certain guys, shame on them, and you have to see it coming. It eventually, and I don't know what the shift has been, but eventually you, you had to expect that this was going to correct itself, and, and in sports, in baseball especially, when corrections are made, they often go wild. So it goes from nobody signing to, holy cow, uh, but... If that was plan A, if Zach Wheeler was the plan and it falls through, if you're as uh, calm, cool, and collected as these guys claim to be, then guess what? There's more plans out there. Mad Bum can be your next plan. You've got plans, and you have to be, you. in my opinion, going into this process too, if what we read is true, which is the Twins are not seen necessarily as a destination team, right? That The destination teams are probably the teams on the coast, maybe the Cubs or something, but they're not a destination team. Then when things start to go wild, you have to, some years, and again, the most important thing is this is not a yearly conversation. We do not go on this show every, every year in the winter and say, man, the Twins aren't spending. A lot of people do. We don't. But you have to be prepared at times like this to say, okay, there are corrections in the market that we don't like. We also are not perceived as a destination team. And therefore, again, in a non-salary cap league, we have to swallow hard and do something that we are not necessarily comfortable doing, but the payoff can be too great to ignore it. And the way that the market has moved might leave the Twins out in the cold. Because if it was moving at the pace that we've seen free agency move in past years... The Steven Strasburgs, Garrett Coles, Anthony Rendones of the world, they would still be out there, and the teams that signed them and the other teams that were in the running for them would be waiting that out. And while they were waiting that out, sort of, you could sort of swoop in and get what I will term the scraps of Madison Bumgarner, Zach Wheeler, because the same teams that now that now are in on those lesser free agents. They're the ones who missed out on the big catches. And we're willing to pay like $250, million. Now that they've missed out on Strasburg and Cole and Rendon, the Dodgers, the Braves, the Yankees, some of these teams, 
that you simply can't compete with, whether it is because of location or it is because of budget, now they're now they're who you're competing with for the Madison Bumgarners of the world. And that's why I got the gut feeling as I was sort of aggregating all the information I was taking in about Major League Free Agency as it relates to the Twins today. And I got the gut feeling that they, they're going to get left out in the cold on this thing, man. As far as the free agents that we've been sitting here talking about that we'd like to see them sign, I don't, I don't think they're coming here. Through Keiko? Are you saying Mad Bum, Ryu, Keiko? Keiko might be the guy who falls in your lap. And I, and that doesn't do a ton for me personally. Okay, so that's, let, let's, tr- let's flip the, the topic here to that. What, what from this point forward? So they, they've, they're flying out from San Diego right now. They did not wind up with uh, a, a, a playoff rotation caliber starting pitcher that we all know that they need. They still have the rest of December, January, a lot of and guys, guys are not February. Yep, and they're all they're on the board still. Right. Madison Bumgarner still on the board, even though you have L.A. teams chasing after him now. Mm-hmm. And same with Hyunjin Ryu. What do the Twins need to do to make this a successful offseason from this point forward in your minds? What with all with because now we have we have more information now than we did a couple weeks ago. We know how much. We, I don't think we knew three weeks ago. What starting pitching was going to cost because the last two off seasons have skewed everyone's perceptions, right? Yeah. Well, now we know that the the money the money is back into free agency. The money's back into starting pitching. You know that you're not going to get a huge discount on a big name guy. So that's the reality. So what would make a successful off season from this point forward? In my opinion, for me personally, with with my expectation for this team and my feeling that they need a top of the line starting pitcher. Probably Mad Bum. If we're talking, if we're talking, what I expect success to be, how how I foresee that you go into spring training as a World Series contender, not a nice team that can hit home runs, not a team where we still say, "Well, this looks like a good team," and boy, two thousand twenty-one might be fun. Um, if we're talking about the success that you're going to take that next step from AL Central champion. First round playoff team. Oh boy, here come the Yankees again, and you've got no shot, or you didn't have a shot, I guess, because you lost in three games. My so my sense of expectation being fulfilled. Mad bum. Real quick, just a side note. We were talking about who's flying back right now from San Diego. I don't know if Lavelle Neal is listening. He tweeted, this flight to MSP is a baseball junket. About seven Twins officials, Terry Ryan, Bill Smith, and a couple scouts from other clubs all on this flight. Oh, and Betsy Hellfan, too. Paul Sullivan from the Chicago Tribune quote tweeted that and said, White Sox execs Ken Williams and Jim Tomey in first class on our flight to O'Hare. Brewers GM David Stern stuck in a middle seat and coach. Sign of the oh. times. <laughs> Well, Poor guy. <laughs> Jim Tomey might have bought his own first class ticket. That's possible, though. yeah. <laughs> David Stern's a smaller guy, too, though. I don't think middle seat and coach is much of an inconvenience for him. Amazing. Yeah. Just trying to envision, like, like Brian Cashman, probably private jet, right? <laughs> yeah. White Sox executives, first class, not a private jet, but first class. My guess, Lavelle, first class. Lavelle, first class, and uh, and, and Brewers GM sitting in Terry the, the Ryan coach, coach seat. Terry Ryan coach, Bill sure. Smith coach. Oh, for sure. Lavelle, for, first class. And not coach, like, economies where you can you know, the comfort plus or Delta where you can pay, like, 30 bucks and get a better seat. No, got to save that 30 bucks. Terry might have got an exit row because he'd be willing to help. <laughs> Sir, would you be willing to help in case of emergency? Yeah, sure, why not? All I know is coach. I don't even know these different categories you guys are talking about. Oh, the economy class is great. Is it? Try it sometimes. It doesn't matter to me. I'm 
I'll give you a little extra legroom. No, but I'm drugged up and passed out. It doesn't just put me in put me in cargo. It doesn't matter. (laughs) It literally doesn't matter to me. What's that arm sticking (laughs) sticking out of the suitcase? Oh, that's just Rami. Yeah, he drank four bottles of. uh, He He took twice his prescribed Xanax. Amazing. So I'm I. All right, here's where I'm at with this. So Judd, you say Mad Bum. The, yeah. like the like a successful off season at this point is go pay nine figures for Mad Bum. Yes, I would agree that would be a successful off season. But let me present an alternative here too. Glenn Perkins kind of shined a light on this for me. We've been thinking about it this off season in terms of you need to get on the next level, the Yankees level, the Astros level with your winter moves. And Glenn painted the picture on the Scornorth Twin Show today, available Apple, Spotify, and the Scornorth app. Just go, just go search anywhere you find podcasts. That this is whatever move you make now can also be a stepping stone to another move that you make in July. So if there isn't a pitcher on the market right now that raises the level, like that gives you a number one starter above Jose Barrios, then look, look to at least increase your floor by adding a better number two, a better number three, a better number four, setting yourself up to make that big move in July. Now, I don't, I haven't looked through the trade candidates for July, and quite frankly, like that's so far away at this point, and so many things have to happen. So I'm going to go down that path and say, if they wind up with Dallas Keuchel, who would not be an ace, he's a really good pitcher, but he's not an ace, he's more of a ground ball guy uh, in a strikeout era, mm-hmm. he'd be like your number two or number three starter behind Jose Barrios and maybe behind Jake Odorizzi. If you let Dallas Keuchel and just made your overall rotation better, and you added a Dellen Batansis, or just a flamethrowing lights-out reliever, I think that sets you up to make another move in July that does get you past some of these teams. And if we, I would be okay with that at this point. And if we ever see an indication that they're willing to make that deadline deal, I might change. But they had a chance last July in really good shape in in a in a division that we knew was not good, but they were clearly going to win, and they did have a good team, and they didn't come anywhere near sniffing around the deals that we expected. That, that's my point about paths here. I need to see them pick a path. Okay, we're going to spend too much on this guy, but you did it. Congratulations, which is why I agree not to rip you. Because you did something gutsy. No. Okay, we're not going to do that, but we're going to trade a top five prospect. Okay, that hurts for the future, but you did it, and it, it helps you now. So far, I've seen no path here, and that's what I'm curious about. What's what's the path? Because Perk's right if they're willing to do it, and you're right if they're willing to, to do it. But the trade deadline in such an opportunistic year in 2019 to me came last July, and it was basically crickets. Yeah, I mean, they... That disappointed me. They're just in a spot right now where you're going to overpay with money or you're going to overpay with prospects, and we are giving you permission as a fan base. I think we are speaking on behalf. It's okay. Not going to rip you for that fifth year. Not going to rip you for a bad contract at this point. No. Make your team better. We all sit here and say they have to overpay. That's something they need to do at this point. In this window, this is the time to overpay. Mm Mm-hmm. And whether you're overpaying for a performance next year or it's a longer-term contract where you're not getting your money's worth on the back end of the deal, that's something that you're. That's the price of doing business when you're contending for a World Series, mm-hmm. if you're serious about mm-hmm. that. So uh, Mackie and Judd with Rami, you can check out the Scorner Twin Show, uh, the, the aforementioned Glenn Perkins episode from today on Apple, Spotify, or the Score North app. We're going to talk to Sage Rosenfels here in about 10 minutes from now for our weekly Sage Football Wisdom segment. But uh, real quick before we get to Sage Rosenfels, uh-huh. 
saw Rami come into the building today. And Rami, now in fairness, Rami texted us. We were taping some stuff earlier, and uh, Rami was like, hey, accident on 94, it's it's Armageddon At outside. At least I think it's, so. Or just people you know, don't know how to merge or let people merge, yeah. which seems to be a trend around here. And so Rami kind of came in with his, uh, his long hair on fire mm-hmm. and still had the jacket on, and mm-hmm. he was holding his ice scraper. Yeah. And I was like, geez, dude, like... <laughs> Like take a minute to collect yourself. <laughs> like you can, you know, you like sometimes you'll take the remote control to the bathroom yes, with you or something. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. well, Rami took his ice scraper. Rami does not the, do that. Rami no, took, I've no, never done that. But like maybe you put it in the fridge before the uh, have, remote control. In the I fridge, have right? actually, yeah. Like oh, Rami, uh, boy, rough morning for him. He came inside with his ice scraper. What, what's this guy doing? No, that was by design. Why? What? That's by design, gentlemen. Why? And I see the weird. You're not the only person to look at me weird. This needs, to, this needs to be flushed. When out. you saw that, I I see the weird looks when I'm walking the halls, when I get here, when I'm leaving with my ice scraper. Dan Seaman, our our general manager, he made a comment to me the other day about walking around with my ice scraper. But Wait, this isn't the first time. Today wasn't the first time you've walked inside with your ice. No, scraper? No, I did it the last. I did it earlier, or was it last week? The last time we had some snow that was falling during the day while I was in here in the station working, and. I'm just smarter than the rest of you. I think is I think is is the problem here because okay. what ha- where do you leave your ice scraper, Judd, Jonathan, Phil? Where do you leave your ice scraper? In my car. In your car. Back in the seat. In the back seat, right? Yeah, under the under the seat. Yeah. Okay. What happens when you open your door to get your ice scraper? It opens. <laughs> I'm able to get into my car. What happens? I know. I know what you're getting at. What here. happens with the snow? Snow falls into your car. You know you snow, wear gloves for a reason. Snow okay. goes in your car. Oh, darn. Snow gets into your car. All right, I see where he's going. Sometimes here. into the driver's seat. Yeah. So I bring my scraper in with me, uh-huh. and I brush off the you know around the doors, around the opening of the door. I brush off the door handles. I brush off the whole car, mm-hmm. and then I get in my car. It's nice and warm and toasty. There's no snow on my hands. There's no snow in my seat. Mm-hmm. There's no snow in the back seat because mm-hmm. I have leather seats. The, the water isn't going to mess up my seats. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just more prepared and well thought out right, than the I, rest of you. I got to be honest. I got to be honest. I was fully prepared to make fun of Rami for the remainder of this segment, but now that he's laid out the reason oh, why he brings his ice cream right inside, I, uh, <laughs> you know kinda, how much kind of genius. How much snow gets in your car? When, Enough. When, when no more than I, I would, more than I would more like. than I want. I don't want to be sitting I'm, in. The, why am I cleaning snow here? off the outside of my car and letting it on the inside of my do. car? I'm Team Rami on this. Actually, you not just like scrape it off here's with your hand before you open the door. Yeah, this is really really simple. With you, my hand, you don't. You don't. Yeah, you wear gloves. Declan just jumped out the window. By the way, he's sitting back behind Jonathan. <laughs> don't grab the door and pull it open quickly. What you do is you open the door slowly, and barely any snow falls in, and you could just brush it off. Know, and by man. the way, if you wear a jacket, which goes like I've got the pea coat, mm-hmm. it goes down my legs a little bit, so I'm not sitting in the snow. So it's not like I'm in a snow. But now bank. your jacket's gonna get all. Now your jacket's wet. Oh, it's That's not that wet. The no. point of the no, jacket. No, it's barely. Though. It's barely wet. Yeah. Yeah, no. but, but yeah, but like. If if you if you do what Rami and I both do, which is bring your scraper inside, <laughs> okay. You guys have you're playing 3D chess when you don't need to play 3D chess. Yeah, exactly. You're you're trying I to always, outsmart you really a system that doesn't need to be outsmarted. Just nope. use your hand and your arm. That's, no that's man, why do I work? But no, but no. The problem is, if you use your hand or your arm, now your hand's going to get numb while you're exactly. Doing your wearing, We're are you not one. wearing gloves? But I don't want my gloves getting wet. I don't want wet. I don't want to wear wet gloves. They're not wet. Just have They're gloves. Wet. That... Oh my goodness! I don't want my hand. first Come. of all. My car is going to be cold for at least ten or fifteen so minutes. Confused. I don't what want to also be wet. I'm with Rami on this. What type all of gloves way. do you guys wear? Do you not have water resistant gloves? Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. You live they, in Minnesota. You are thinking way too much into this, man. I'm not thinking at all about it. I'm well, just that's being, the problem. That's, I'm just that's being exactly smart. The problem. No. I'm just being smart. I'm just naturally smart. It doesn't take a lot of thinking. I just want you to know, Rami, okay? Don't listen to these clowns uh-huh. over here, okay? They said the same thing about Steve Jobs when he talked about putting a computer in your pocket. Thank okay? you. Exactly. Visionary. Exactly. But you know what Jobs said? It's the greatest thing because that computer can then be carried in the bathroom. That's what, the, that's what Jobs said. He said you can you can like use it. You can be connected to the world wherever you are, exactly including right. the bathroom. This is meant to be in the bathroom. I like to disconnect sometimes. I like to unplug, and that's the perfect. I love how you're more likely to, to bring your ice scraper in the bathroom than your phone. <laughs> Scott just tweeted at Rami is tweeting. That's how you follow me. Just sat in a pile of snow on my seat. Hashtag scraper coming in. Nope. Yeah. I you just put the brush downside on on the mat, and then you don't have any snow on your seat. Okay, Alex tweets in, the upside of not getting a touch of snow in the car, far, far, far inferior to carrying around my scraper yes. in the building. I'm just carrying it into the building from my that car. Is, that's it's a not- good point by Alex. I mean, you look like a weirdo walking around the I don't care. I do not care. All I know is I'm dry and warm on my way home, and, and the then, rest of y'all are sitting in wet pants and coats with wet gloves and then, in a cold car. And then there's a good chance that you're going to forget said scraper in building. Yep. You'll get out there, have to come back in yep. and oh, get can it. Can you imagine, mm-hmm. Rami? Just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Point for I Judd just, here. I just it's leave just it right. too much stuff Guys, I have to remember to carry around Guys, with me in here. No leave way. Leave it by your coat. Just leave it right by your coat. You're not leaving without your coat. I'm weird enough without doing this. Hell, man. hook your keys to it. So now I'm subjected what? to the floor getting wet because of the ice ice scrapers in my own house now because there's wet snow all no, over. No, when it. I get home, I leave it in the car. I, I have an indoor parking. So garage, now you're getting so our whole office wet with your it. snow. The whole office. Yes. The whole office. Yes. First of all, I'm not even brushing off snow when I get here, so it's not <laughs> wet. I'm brushing off snow when I leave. And even if I did, it's not the whole office. It's not the whole building. You know, Rami, I just uh. Judge brought up some good points, Declan, but ultimately I'm I'm on Team Rami here. I'm all for innovation. And Thank you, you. And you are welcome with your uh, scraper to scrape the ice off of my 2019 RAV4 from Luther Brookdale Toyota anytime you want. Okay? I mean, I appreciate the backup, right. but I'm not doing that. You just told you to scrape this car. <laughs> you go outside right now and uh, chisel some of the ice off. So Toyota-thon is on right now. It's the biggest sales event of the year at Luther Brookdale Toyota. Big savings to get you into the car that you want and to save money on that car. This is the biggest sales event of the year. 0% financing for 60 months on all remaining 2019 Highlanders. They do not come with ice scrapers, but I'm sure you could probably ask. Maybe you could. Uh, maybe they could throw an ice scraper in for you that you could either keep in the back of your car or take it in like Rami does. Uh, also, close-up pricing on all remaining 2019 Tacomas and 4Runners and the 2020 RAV4s have arrived. I love driving around my 2019 RAV4, trudging around the snow with four-wheel drive for the first time. It's a brand new me. I'm Mr. Aggressive now. I'm that guy in the snow with all those safety features. I'm safe, but a little aggressive. Uh, Small man complex, I guess. Uh, (laughs) LutherBrookdaleToyota.com and 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. We catch up with Sage Rosenfels. Talk Vikings, talk Kirk Cousins, and where he falls right now with the season he is having. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Jonathan here with the Score North download. A reminder, download the Score North mobile app and register for listening rewards because this month, one lucky app user will win a $200 Amazon.com gift card just for having and registering their Score North mobile app. You'll also have a chance at many other great prizes just for listening. All you have to do is download the app, register the app, 
and enter through listing rewards or just listen over at scorenorth.com and you have your chance to win a $200 Amazon.com gift card. Again, just for having the Score North mobile app. Kirk Cousins today talking about possibly having a full complement of weapons again with Thielen returning for the first time in four weeks. Here's what he said about that. Well, I'm excited. Uh, the only thing you're worried about is, hey, we've, we've got a good rhythm going. You know, it, it does feel different to, to when you have him back. You know, it, it has a different dynamic. And so you you just, uh, you know, joke with him that, hey, don't rock the boat too much. You know, we've been doing pretty good. But uh, I would like to think that Adam Thielen is going to help our offense. And if nothing else, you know, the corners, the safeties, the linebackers, the defense, they have to honor the fact that he's on the field opposite Stefan Diggs. You have to you know, cover and be aware of that many more people um, who have put good stuff on tape in the past. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Day. Or Ma- wow, did it again. Wow, look at you. <sighs> Mackie wow. and John was right. We're just talking football with Rosenfeld, so I got confused. Here's Sage Football with it's Mackie and Judd with Rami, Score North, and the Score North app. And Thursdays mean we get to catch up with our friend Sage Rosenfels for some Sage football wisdom. Former Vikings quarterback and uh, longtime NFL journeyman quarterback. Sage, uh, I don't know if you saw this article from 538.com, but the headline and then all of the data within the article is very interesting. But the headline is Kirk Cousins is putting together an under the radar elite season. And it goes through and explains. How uh, at uh, he's at or near the top of many important statistical categories. What are your thoughts on uh, the word elite season being attached to Kirk Cousins 2019? Well, I think that if you look at really since that Giants game, uh, and you erase those first four games, uh, you look at that from, from the Giants game on, it has been exceptional. And his production has been very, very good. I, I think Stefanski has done a great job of you know, really understanding him and what he does best and putting a game plan together where they can you know, get the ball out and so he's not holding on to the football. you, you got to think the offensive line and Rick Dennison have done a tremendous job as well. But you know, we all sort of knew this, and we even knew this last year when he was putting up big numbers. When he has time, uh, he is an extremely productive quarterback, and his accuracy is phenomenal. Uh, you know, he put that ball uh, to B.C. Johnson in the back of the end zone exactly. I mean, you, you, we actually do a drill sometimes, and I remember uh, Kevin Rogers actually got a fishing net and put it up there because, you know, you, you want to throw it about 10 feet. Well, of course, coaches are going to stand up there, and they can't get to 10 feet. So he actually sort of throw it at the fishing net. That was exactly where you want to throw it. His accuracy is tremendous. And But the first four games of the year, in particular games two versus Green Bay and game four versus Chicago, were so bad um, and basically caused the Vikings to lose those two games by himself. That's where I think it sort of has you know kept it sort of cool throughout the year. Like, yeah, Cousins has played really well, uh, but you know, there's still that bad Kirk Cousins in him. So I think that probably has kept him out of maybe some of that MVP conversation. That's pretty much at this point Lamar Jackson, and Russell Wilson. But uh, the, the last two thirds of the season um, and going to the final three games, he has been spectacular. And uh, but the pieces around him have been very, very good as well. So uh, he, he is he has done a really, really nice job this season and, and definitely earned that twenty eight million dollars this season i believe much more than he did last season so sage 13 games in now how much can we look back on 2018 and say that kirk cousins was uh directly impacted by what he was asked to do in that scheme and that the advancement has been that talent wise for kirk it's been there but 
with what Gary and Kevin have asked, it just fits so well with what Kirk can do well as opposed to a year ago when it seemed like Kirk and the offense was force-fed a system that wasn't necessarily a fit for them. Well, if you look at Jacksonville, they're struggling. I mean, they're not, they're not doing very well offensively. And to me, and, and the quarterbacks aren't doing very well uh, in, in that system over there. And that's where the, the former Vikings coordinator went, right? So I, I like to follow the coordinators around and go, okay, how they do with this quarterback, how they do here. Because before that, he was, a, you know, he was really a quarterback's coach. With uh, with Philadelphia, uh, and they and so he got the sort of the rewards of the team and the head coach and Frank Reich, who we I think we all recognize as a pretty good offensive football coach over there in Indy. He got to reap those rewards too. Became a coordinator and and was it and and had a system that I'm sure is probably fine for some quarterbacks. You know the the system for Pat Mahomes is not the same system that that maximizes Kirk Cousins. Like, they're very, very different. And the longer the ball's in Pat Mahomes' hand, the more good things are going to happen. The longer the ball's in Kirk Cousins' hand, the more bad things are going to happen, in particular in the pocket, right? So uh, this is the perfect system for him. And, you know, really one of the one of the best hires, I think, uh, in Mike Zimmer's era of all the coaches that he's hired over, you know, guys come and go sometimes. But, you know, Gary Kubiak being added uh, to this offensive staff and Rick Dennison being added as well as the offensive line coach was the perfect, perfect fit for Kirk Cousins because that's where he had his initial success in Washington in that Shanahan system. And I and I believe me, Kevin Stefanski was the happiest person for Gary to come on board because when he got that job and when he, when he was the, the, the quarterback's coach, he would talk about if he was ever coordinator, uh, of course, to paint on the quarterback, but if he's ever coordinator, he imagined his system being very similar to the Gary Kubiak-Kyle Shanahan system. Uh, so to actually have a coach come in with the offensive line coach who has all those details from the past, man, that was a, a great move for the Vikings and, and Kirk Cousins, the quarterback, and I would say the offensive line too. Uh, this is offensive line that we all just sort of you know berated over the last couple of years, and man, you know they're one of the best running offensive lines in the league, and obviously the big plays in the passing game off the play action stuff, they have vastly improved this season. But coaching has such an important impact uh, on the quarterback, and and I think the Vikings have some really good offensive coaches on the staff. The other thing that's different from 2018, Sage, is Dalvin Cook is healthy and running and very, very productive. How much does it take off a quarterback's shoulders when you have that type of running back standing behind you and defense is worrying about him? Oh, it's huge. I mean, you remember Matt Schaub in, in Houston? All right, well, Matt Schaub in Houston at one point led the NFL in passing yards and went to the Pro Bowl, won a Pro Bowl MVP. I backed him up uh, for a couple seasons. Well, you know, when Kubiak had that running game going there, Arian Foster, uh, you know, that offense was dynamic, one of the best offenses in the NFL. And Arian Foster is not Dalvin Cook, right? So I always sort of thought to myself, man, if you get the right running back in this system, like I don't know how Adrian Peterson would be in this system because he's an undisciplined runner. But man, he was so good. Good back in the day. I, I wonder how many yards he would run for in this style of offense. So uh, I thought if Dalvin Cook stayed healthy and this offensive line could progress, he would. He could possibly have a monster season. And sure enough, he has. I don't know what his exact stats are, but I imagine he's on pace for over two thousand total yards, uh, and that's a ton of uh, you know production. You know, from a running back position. That you know, it's amazing how the NFL goes. We talk about uh, you know the the running backs uh, not as important anymore. 
You know, we've been talking, people have been saying that for years on certain teams. Ah, you have a running back, you get another guy in there. Uh, yeah, a couple running backs, they sort of share time. They both make a couple million dollars. No one's uh, an elite guy. It's more about the system. This guy is an elite guy. And his speed uh, to turn runs that other running backs would have may have gotten two and three and to get around the, the corner, then outrun the pursuit to turn into a 15-yard run, uh, it is elite. And then his power, that's what's really surprising to me. I, I knew he was fast, but I really didn't realize how powerful he was and how he finishes off these runs and when uh you know when there's a couple defenders there he tries to run through them and not just sort of dive down like a smaller back usually the faster backs do so uh, he's been extremely impressive and the vikings are gonna have to make some sort of decision on him in the offseason uh because you'd like to have him on this football team uh for the i don't know the next four to six years i would think uh but that of course the health is the number one concern Sage football wisdom here, Mackie and Judd with Rami. And remember, whenever you hear us blabbing, you're in the middle of 25 straight minutes of Mackie and Judd with Rami, which, I mean, maybe that's too much for you. Maybe that's too much for you, but you're. Nah. You're never gonna find too out much, here, I guess. especially not with Sage in the fold. No, he, never uh, too much. Elevates the. Did IQ you say of blabbing? I would never blab. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but I think the biggest question here, I, I, I think we probably all agree that if the Vikings want the best path to go deep in the playoffs and play in the Super Bowl. Winning the division to set yourself up to play a home playoff game where you're you're undefeated this season, like that's the best path. But they need help. They need to run the table, and they need the Packers to lose to the Bears this weekend. Do you think the Bears are capable of beating the Packers this weekend, Sage Rosenfels? Yeah, I do. I, I again, I, I watch. Uh, you know, I do a radio show on Tuesdays in Chicago, so I'm forced to watch this offense. All right. So, <laughs> yeah, Rami, uh, Rami chooses to watch this offense. Can we talk more yeah, about yeah. the Bears' you get, you get paid offensive to problems? It. Just I, mean, I do paid, feel an I'm, obligation. I'm not going to lie. I feel an obligation to watch. Believe that me, I, like on, on my Tuesday mornings, I was like, you know, I could rewatch that 49ers uh, Saints game from la- from the other day. That was just a shootout that I didn't have a chance to see. But now I want to watch this Bears offense, right? Great. So, uh, but it has been clicking. Uh, I tell you what they've they've they finally changed a few things they're doing a little bit of play action they're doing a little bootleg getting that quarterback out of the pocket uh, i'm not a big fan of their offense obviously they spread it out but you know that defense they got a couple game records over there as you guys know they got some good secondary players and 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 some good linebackers and obviously khalil mack is is so good uh, as a defensive end so they you know it's it's, it's the nfl that the bears are not a bad football team i mean they're a year removed from uh, you know, it was it when twelve games last year, and they're seven and six. So I, yeah, I think it's going to be a dogfight. I think the Bears are going to be a really, really hard uh, win for both the Vikings and the Packers uh, down this home stretch. And and uh, you know that obviously that the the, the I, we don't want to look past this week, but that Vikings Packers game in a couple of weeks, man, that's going to be that's going to be something else if the Vikings win on Sunday. Sage, you've been talking all season about the Bears not doing what they should be doing to fit the system to Mitchell Trubisky. It took them 13 weeks to figure that out. This week we saw Mike Zimmer try something different with the cornerback rotation. Not as many snaps or reps as Xavier Rhodes. I look at that as a simpleton when it comes to football. Just a layman, just a guy who sits on my couch on Sundays and watches and then comes in these studios and talks about it. And I go, how does it take you 13 or 14 weeks to try these things or make these adjustments? You, you've been in it, obviously. How does it take so long for coaches to see these things that we talk about and just try something different that might be more successful? 
Well, from what I hear out of Chicago is, you know, Matt Nagy was hired uh, from Kansas City, and he came there. And, of course, you know, Kansas City, you know who calls the plays and runs the show there. It's Andy Reid. So, you know, the coordinators never seem to do as well when they go other places. Uh, though I, I, I should say that, you know, the Philadelphia head coach, obviously, Doug Peterson, I think he, he coached for him. But, uh, you know, I think Matt Nagy was hired to have because he had this different system. He had this a little bit more collegiate, the RPO, the this, that, and the other, the shotgun, the jet sweeps, the you know all this stuff, these sort of fancy plays, and he was hired. That was as one of his main selling points that he was sort of the future of the NFL. Coaches like him, he was a step ahead of everybody else, and it was going to be hard for defense to cover all these small, quick guys and. Then when that stuff wasn't working this year, and, and it was working fine last year, but the defense was the reason, in my opinion, they won those 12 football games. Their defense was spectacular last year. Well, you know, this year uh, the offense isn't get as many, is not getting as, as many short fields and more as many opportunities. The defense isn't as dominant. And so now, like, what type of offense is this? And, and it's not productive. And he has a quarterback who is he's, he's asking to be as I like to describe him. He's asking him to be like the Steve Nash point guard. You know, different types of point guards out there in, in basketball. You have ones that are more distributors. And they take their fair shots a game, but they're not. The offense doesn't completely run through them. In the Bears' offense, it completely runs through uh, uh, Mitchell Trubisky, which would be again like a sort of like a Steve Nash. Well, like. He's not a, a strength. I mean, he's just not a great quarterback. And so what, what you do is you actually make him a part of the offense, not the offense. I know it's sort of crazy to say as a quarterback, uh, you know, because he's the most important player, you know, and he touches the ball every play and those types of things. But you can get around uh, with not having a great quarterback and still having a solid offense and a, a, an offense that wins football games. And I think they what they do is they just ask their quarterback to do way too much. It's also extremely hard on the offensive line. I mean, the offensive line's not that good anyway. But imagine if the Vikings had to drop back uh, and, and shotgun every single play. The, you know, the offensive line would, would get destroyed. Like it's, last year, you mean? Like last year, you know. And next, you know, you're in second seventeen. Uh, you know, second seventeens are so much fun to come back. You know, try to overcome that. I mean, in the NFL, it's like a miracle. Third, and, you guys know, like third and thirteen plus NFL teams have like a nine percent chance of getting a first down or something like that. It's very low the further you go down the line. And so, uh, sacks really can kill drives, and they can kill halves and quarters. And and you know, obviously, those numbers are, are way down for the Vikings. You know, this season. And but what's in Chicago? They uh, the, that offensive line is constantly dropping back, and the defense knows exactly where they're going to be, and they don't do any play action. They don't do anything to keep the defense honest and keep them on their toes. They are lining up with their hand in the dirt, going, "All right, let's go after Mitch Trubisky." And uh, and it's you know it's there nothing really keeps you off guard. And again, there's no play action, there's no bootlegs, and there's no chance for the for the offensive lineman to come off the ball yet still be a pass play. So I, I'm not a big fan of this offense. It might work well in college, but the NFL is, is just a different game. Should the Chargers scare the Vikings on Sunday, and if so, how much should they scare them? Oh, 100%. Yeah, this Chargers football team is not a bad football team. I mean, you want to know a great stat? First downs. All right, first downs. Chargers have 286 on the year. Their opponents have 232. Wow. They've got 54 uh, more first downs on the season than their opponents. They are doing a lot of good things offensively and defensively. Uh, you know, they're one of the best teams in the league in pass defense. Uh, they are fourth in the league. Uh, in an offense, they're fifth in the league in pass, in pass offense, right? So they are a passing football team. They're not a great against the run, though. And their biggest issue, turnover ratio. 
they're minus 10 in turnover ratio. So the fact that they're even 5-8 and eight with a minus 10 turno- turnover ratio uh, is almost surprising. So, yeah, they're, they're a quality ball club, and, and uh, you know, Rivers is one of those quarterbacks that, uh, you know, he can throw three, four touchdown passes, and but he also can give it away a couple times in the game too. So, uh, yeah, th- this, uh, this is not an easy football game, despite the fact this is not going to be the Detroit Lions of last week, that's for sure. Yeah, and I, I think – it's almost it, it feels better as you're looking to gauge what the Vikings are capable of that the Chargers looked so good last week because now it feels like an actual road game test compared to maybe a couple weeks ago when the Chargers were just a disaster but um when it comes to the Vikings on the road say Josenfels when you look at New Orleans, San Francisco, uh Green Bay, Seattle the, the teams that they might have to go play road playoff games against if if they make it there uh, which one? Which ones are the most gettable, and which ones are the ones that you should just absolutely stay away from at all costs? If if you, I mean, not that you get to pick, but which are the most dangerous? Which are the most gettable road games? I don't think you want to play at the Saints. I don't think you want to play in Seattle. Those places are terrible to play. Um, you know, if the Vikings have to, you know, the Niners. But do you have experience you know, playing in, in New Orleans and being on a team that went to New Orleans? And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, Ten years ago, there's so many guys left on the team yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that went through that experience. Uh, I, I think that game almost ended like half our team's career. Like we were just, we were, not, we're not the same people anymore. It was it a bounty put under, our, under that game head. changed our DNA. So yeah. we're no longer as good of football players after that. <laughs> it, it, it ended Heath Farwell's life. I mean, as yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think you want to go to the Cowboys, right? I mean, one, the Vikings have already won there, and that team's in tons, uh, tons of turmoil. Uh, so, you, if you, you know, of all the teams, I mean, the NFC East is such a joke this year. The Cowboys in the lead at six and seven. So, you know, it's uh, th- that'd be a place that you know you, you want you want to go play. So, uh, I don't know. I, I definitely don't. You don't want to go to Seattle, and, and you definitely don't want to go to the Saints. In my opinion, those those one they've got great quarterbacks, and two obviously they've got great home field advantages. So, um, the, the the reason I I think the Forty Nine ers are a spectacular team. Of course, I have a um, a sort of little love for the Kyle Shanahan that offense because that's sort of my offense or whatever but um jimmy garoppolo is one of those guys i think under pressure will throw the ball to the other team and this can be the weak link to that football team uh and then the vikings you made him look like a sort of fool last year i think he threw what three four interceptions uh in the home opener last year so i think that's a place um you know playing in green bay i don't really like going to green bay either so i, I would go i would go 49ers and cowboys ahead of green bay saints um, and the uh, the Seattle Seahawks. Sage, I think if you get Garoppolo here, he very well could come apart. There, I don't know. If, if yeah. you play him there. Now, now, the only weird thing with that team, and, and I didn't see the game on Sunday against the Saints, the only weird thing is how that defense came so undone. Because that's been seemingly up to that game, Sage, the one consistent. But I do think if you get Garoppolo uh, in, in U.S. Bank Stadium, it's a different story. Out there... I'm not sure that he doesn't play a good game. Yeah, that, that's I, I can understand that, and I'm sure both defenses have been uh, pretty good this year. And I was sort of surprised. Uh, obviously, the 49ers, Robert Sala, their defensive coordinator, he was a I think a quality control when I was in Houston, uh, you know, back in those days. So to see him, he, he's going to get some head coach looks this year as well. But yeah, to see their defense not play as well, you know, that was very very surprising. So uh, that's a good football team, and and uh, you know that I'm. What's interesting is again, you know. I, Going back to those Houston times and, and knowing Breeze over the years, he and I drafted the same year uh, when I'd see him in the offseason. We would talk about how it seemed like uh, they were always watching our film and we were always watching their film. Sean Payton and Kyle Shanahan for years.
brothers have been stealing each other's stuff. I think their minds must think very, very similar uh, in those types of things, and, and their quarterbacks have almost always been very productive in their offenses. When people talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, I feel like it's it's much the same conversation that we have with Kirk Cousins. There is no middle ground. He's either great or he's just like an okay game manager who can do things when there are weapons around him. But this is a guy who, depending on what you believe, Bill Belichick was ready to move on from Tom Brady and, and plug this guy in as his starting quarterback. Do, do you see something special in Jimmy Garoppolo that, that obviously Bill Belichick and other people around the league do, or are you on the opposite side of that spectrum that he's just kind of an okay quarterback and maybe even the weak, weak link for that football team? Um, I don't think he's an okay quarterback. I think he does some of the things phenomenal. He's got a quick release. Uh, he's usually very accurate. Uh, he'll miss some throws occasionally, but uh, he puts a lot of balls on the money, and he's got an extremely quick release. He's a very good athlete, but that his issue is sometimes he's a little over, overly aggressive and uh, you know doesn't take care of the football. He'll do a sack fumble or occasionally throw the ball to the other football team, but uh, that's where his specialty is, is the ability to sort of buy time a little bit in the pocket. He obviously watched Brady over all those years and, and saw Brady's accuracy and saw you know what level you have to be at to be a great quarterback. And so I, I think he's got a bright future. He's a very good athlete, good good thrower. Uh, just has to figure out a way to you know have less turnovers. But I, you know, I think uh, I, I know another thing is I'm not trying to say he's not smart, but I don't think he's a genius. I think that can be a a little bit of a challenge too because that offense is extremely wordy. You have to have a really smart quarterback, really smart quarterback to do that. And I think occasionally he can get bogged down with almost too much information uh, by the way his mind works. But Sage, the looks, come on. You don't have to be smart when you're that handsome. He's a good-looking dude. You know, Sexy usually dude. the best-looking people are not the smartest. That's just sort of the way it goes. <laughs> yeah. you know, the well, that's a theory the I've had, lives. too. You just yeah. don't need to be. Like, yeah, I... that's why I'm thrilled that I'm ugly. I mean, I'm six, <laughs> you know? It's like, I have to have something. It's I, time I to, to stereotype I, on Scornor. <laughs> I've gone through my life needing to have something other than my looks to impress people. I feel like that's why I'm, I'm kind of funny. Good-looking dudes, they don't need they don't need that in their arsenal, Sage. I no, think no, you don't, have to, be, you don't right. have to be smart. You have to be entertaining because people are always looking exactly. at you. That's, right. that's the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo uh, is probably the best-looking quarterback in the history of, of the NFL. It's quite possible. I, I, think that, I feel like that. this is an off-season conversation, but we can get into it <laughs> on the Thursday. Just name it the name of prime back then. Good-looking Incredibly good-looking guy for, for that sure. time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's true. Boy. Got any other ones? You guys, guys got to do a top five, top five real quick? I mean, you got to put Brady in there, right? You guys want to do top five current handsome <laughs> NFL quarterbacks? I mean, could you I throw Garoppolo Kirk, one? Do I throw Kirk Cousins in the mix? No. Brady, too? Do you think Kirk Cousins is a good-looking guy? No, Although Brady, just like on the football field, he cheats. He has hair plugs. I'm convinced there is some plastic surgery going on there. I don't think that's all natural. Listen, man, I mean, I don't putt from that side of the green, but if I did, I'd be a Dak Prescott guy. <laughs> I, I, I can see that. I can see that. I can get that jawline for sure. Yeah, jawline. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. What about, what about Ryan Tannehill? Well, those stats now. I mean, no, you got to get a blonde in there. I mean, come on. You if you're into heights, do you? If, if you're, if you're, if you're, he's into, got that yeah. strong jawline. That's true. Yeah, that's sure. true. Yeah. I don't know where we go from here, guys. I really don't. <laughs> this is uh, wildly uncomfortable. Yeah. Jimmy G's a good-looking guy, okay? He really yeah. is. That simple? Yeah. Thanks for taking so, us down this road. Well, let but. me ask you this. You bring up Tom Brady. So aside from Tom Brady's dashing looks, uh, is, is, it, is it that t- – so Tom Brady is putting up some of the worst <laughs> numbers. <laughs> here it is. Tom Brady's putting up some of the worst numbers of, uh, of his career. Is it that Tom Brady is cooked and old or that he has nobody to throw to anymore? 
Uh, you, but listen, remember at the beginning of the season, we're all like, all right, you know, Antonio Brown's going to get cut, and then uh, he's going to end up at the Patriots, of course, and sure enough, that happened, and they had uh, Josh Gordon, who everyone's like, Josh Gordon's back, and of course, they got Edelman, and everyone thought this is going to be just ridiculous. It's going to be like the the, uh, the the New England Patriots of, what is it, 2007? I think it was 2007 season when the Giants ended up winning it, when their offense yep. was just stupid with Moss, and obviously, it's all sort of falling apart, and, and you know, the, the offensive line has always been sort of a, a patchwork line in New England, and they've sort of gotten away with it and with, with great coaching. I think Dante Scarnecchia is one of the best, uh, probably the best offensive line coach in the history of the NFL uh, up there. And uh, But they don't have those playmakers. And Tom's, again, Tom's a guy who is, he's not a guy who really buys time all that much. He, he used to more back in the day, and but more buy time within the pocket. And, and uh, when his offensive line's bad, he's not as good. And when he w- lost those two Super Bowls to the Giants, it's because his offensive line line got uh, dominated by a superior defensive line uh, of those New York football giants. What do you make of this latest cheating scandal involving Brady and the Patriots? Well, it sounds like it sounds like uh, the the video was literally like eight or so st- straight or maybe a whole half or something. They said it was like, eight, eight, st- eight consecutive minutes looking at the uh, Bengals side. And by the way, if that is content for Patriots.com, it would mirror just how entertaining their that's, press conferences are, too. True, right? yeah. Their content on their website is just like raw footage of the Bengals sideline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, you know, it's, so I don't know. I mean, you know, you fool me once, shame on you. Fool me like six times now, you know, it's like. Uh, and, and, you know, there's not going to be any emails. I promise there's not going to be any text messages. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, they have learned all the tricks of the trade by the sort of the tomfoolery of their past. And so, you know, I, I, it's, it, it's anything that smells bad, uh, with the, uh, with the New England Patriots, you have to have to obviously just assume at this point it, it's rotten. And, uh, it almost, it sounds so crazy. It's probably true. That's yeah. the way I look at it. So, all right. Last thing for you here, just to, to wrap on a Vikings note. What is uh, when, when we're done here with the regular season? What's what is the Sage Rosenfels likely uh, scenario? Are, do they run the table here to finish twelve and four? Do you think they wind up winning the division? Uh, what what do you think these next three games are going to lead to? Well, I'd like to hope so, but I you know you're just having your gut like you know they'll probably get in the playoffs, uh, uh, maybe not win the division, and you know then I I like them winning a game in the playoffs, but then after that I guess we'll have to see. I mean they're 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 playing hot. I, you like to say it's, at least it is nice that they're not right now. There's three games left, but they're not stumbling into the playoffs. It, you know there's nothing worse than having like a nine and zero football team that loses four out of its last seven games and 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 just sort of gets into the playoffs. You know this team is is knows it has to play good football. They know they have to have their foot on the pedal. Uh, they know they have to play really good each and every week. I think they learned a heck of a lesson uh, versus the Denver Broncos when they didn't play very well in the first half. But they also learned that hey, we we have the firepower to come back, which is why you know Kirk Cousins is on this football team. And so yeah, I, I like the I like the way this football team's sitting right now. And and I think it's okay that we're only a game back. Of course, you'd like to have uh, a bye, which they're definitely not going to have. I, I could not imagine. And you'd like to have a a home game. Uh, in that wild card, but if those don't happen, uh, you know, not all is lost. It's a harder road, uh, but again, I, I know the Steelers, and I think the Giants both times snuck into the playoffs and, and won Super Bowls from that sixth seed, and so uh, I can see the Vikings doing that. They have a style that I would hate to play against in the playoffs. Teams that run the football well and have playmakers on the outside, and shoot, if they get Adam Thielen back, uh, you know, this could be a really, really tough team to beat uh, come uh, January. That is our football-loving and quarterback-loving friend 
Sage Rosenfeld, Sage Football Wisdom, every single Thursday at 4.30 on this show. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. And you can find Sage on Purple Daily, Mondays at 2 o'clock and Wednesdays at 2 o'clock. All right, Sage, good catching up. All right, guys, have Football. a great weekend. Omaha. See you, Sage. See you, we'll come back. Let's dive a little bit deeper into the season of Kirk Cousins and uh, just how good it's been to this point so far. And we have some audio that we're going to play in this next segment that at least had Rami and I rolling around laughing when we heard it earlier today. <laughs> so weird. So we'll do all of that. Mackie and Jeb with Rami, Score North and the Score North app in the TCL studios. Well, what's on the TCL TV right now? Well, a commercial, I guess. But we've been watching a recap of the uh, winter meetings, the baseball winter meetings in which the Twins did not land a starting pitcher of any caliber. It uh, doesn't mean that they can't sometime next week, but we'll see what happens. But we love watching sports on these TCL TVs. We love all the entertainment options, so you get 5,000-plus streaming channels with that built-in Roku device. Uh, it's just the most connected TV you're going to find. If you're a cord cutter, look no further than a TCL TV to just set you up with all the right streaming platforms. And uh, TCL is also giving you guys a chance to see the Timberwolves. I know they're not playing very well right now, so here's what might actually uh, make it a little bit more appealing with a team that's struggling. Go watch the game in a TCL theater box. The best and most dramatic views of the arena VIP experiences unlike any other. Five-star cuisine, a lounge area, oversized chairs. It's just a great spot to watch a game. Wolves, Cavs, December 28th. Go to scorenorth.com, enter the keyword TCL for your chance to win. Back with some Kirk Cousins discussion next. Never going to give you a... TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. First and goal at the nine-yard line. And looking at the end zone. And it is a touchdown for Johnson, his third of the year. Great protection looking for the home run ball down the sideline. And Diggs got it inside the five. Yeah, it'd be a long list. I mean, you start 200 straight games. You got my respect. Uh, you play for one team for 16 years. You got my respect. You're a husband and then a dad of nine kids. You got my respect. You know, you, you you go to the Pro Bowls he's been to. You've won the playoff games. He's won. I think he played in one on a torn ACL. Um, you know, it's a long list of reasons that uh, he set the bar high. And I think it's Kirk Cousins throwing nice passes in the highlights, courtesy of Fox, and then talking complimentary about Philip Rivers, the opposing quarterback this Sunday. Vikings vent line after the game is over, as always here on Score North, and then available via podcast after uh, after the show is over, Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app. But the article we alluded to with Sage Rosenfeld's last segment from 538.com, and it says Kirk Cousins is putting together an under-the-radar elite season. And they go through his five years as a starting quarterback and where he ranks in seven key categories. So completion percentage, touchdown percentage, interception percentage, yards per attempt, passer rating, QBR, and uh, defensive adjusted yards above replacement, which is uh, an easy one to digest, back of the football card stat. So seven key categories. He ranks fourth, fifth, third, third, second, ninth, and fifth in those categories. So all of them top five, some of them, half of them top three, and only one of them outside of the top five, I guess. Uh, QBR, he's ninth. Um, previously, like last year, he was second, 17th, 8th, 24th, 10th, 16th, 13th in those categories. The year before that, he was ninth, 8th, 16th, 9th, 12th, 17th, 16th. So a clear jump 
in those seven categories for Kirk Cousins. So they use the word elite to describe his season. What word would you guys use, Rami and Judd, to describe Kirk Cousins' 2019 campaign so far? I can't say elite just because the consistency hasn't been there. I mean, a lot of those numbers, and not that he's been bad since, but a lot of those numbers that he racked up, these are cumulative numbers. These aren't averages. It happened in that four four or five-week stretch of October where he was putting up like 350, 400 yards, two or three touchdowns every week right after that Bears game. To me, elite is week in, week out. You can expect a certain level of performance. The first four weeks of the season, he wasn't even good, much less elite. In two games, he was downright bad against the Packers and the Bears. So I, I can't say elite because it's been so much up and down. Now, since October, he's sort of leveled off and been playing this pretty much the same level of football. But it's not elite. His numbers look elite when you amass them over the course of the season because of a stretch of schedule where he was putting up probably beyond elite numbers. That that goosed everything up a little bit. But if, you, if you're asking for an adjective for me to describe Kirk Cousins' season, really good. Really good season, but not elite. Judd, what word or phrase? <sighs> Pro Bowl. <laughs> Pro, Pro Bowl. He's having a Pro Bowl season. He's okay. having a really nice, good year. And not He's, one of those like six guys get hurt Pro Bowl. I mean, seasons. I would not believe me. I'm not. I and I know that this has been talked about. And I know there have been games Cousins played that's been really, really good. And the Monday conversation is MVP. I, I can't go there. But I would say Pro Bowl. Yeah, no, he's a legitimate. He, he's not a replacement. He is a legitimate 2019 NFC Pro Bowl quarterback. I think that's incredibly fair. Not MVP, but you know what? He's been he's been given the proper tools to work with. He's been given the proper assignment, which he was not in in uh, 2018. And that's why I asked Sage about what what really strikes me more and more is almost Cousins malpractice. Now that we watch him in 2019 with an effective coordinator and Kubiak being his offensive advisor, and it's been really really good. I think he's a Pro Bowl quarterback. Yeah, I think the word is. As expected, this is what you thought you were signing when you signed him, right? You th- yeah. you thought you were going to get a guy, because I remember, as if it was yesterday, the talking point when the Vikings were kicking the tires on Cousins, and you and I started that conversation at the Super Bowl, right? Radio Rogue, because we're going back almost two years now, and the discussion was, hey, he's pretty damn good, kind of a fringe top 10 quarterback with the Redskins, with that dumpster fire franchise, and just a... Like that franchise, there's no way they're getting the best out of a talented guy in Kirk Cousins. Right? There's no way. So if he goes to the Vikings, it's a step up. And he's probably going to be like a fringe top five quarterback. I remember us having those discussions a year and a half, two years ago. And they didn't put him in that spot. In in his defense, they did not. And, and now he is. And now in 2019, they did. So fringe, fringe top five is sort of a three-word phrase that I would, I would go with here. And it, and it even goes back to our exercise yesterday when we said... One game, one quarterback, where does Kirk Cousins rank? And consensus in this room, nobody had him in the top five, but all of us had him between like sixth and ninth. By the way, did you guys see Get Up at All this morning and Dominique Foxworth essentially, with a different spin, essentially doing the same exercise that we did yesterday on the show? It was it was with a focus on Aaron Rodgers, and the question was how many quarterbacks are playing better football than Aaron Rodgers right now was the question Mike Greenberg asked Dominique Foxworth, and he said eight. And the eighth one was Kirk Cousins. Yeah. So by almost any, whether it's 
national talking head guy like Dominic Foxworth. I mean, he has Kirk Cousins has gone from he's like a league average quarterback, and even I think in the first month of this season, right, kind of a league average quarterback to yep. No, he's he's one of the top ten quarterbacks in the league right now. Unless you want to get feisty with Ryan Tannehill, which Rami was yesterday. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm going to go that far. Do you want to keep going? There? Ryan, I don't know, Ryan Tannehill, I don't know, man. Mix. You really, you can't do that yet. You're going Ryan Tannehill over Kirk Cousins right now. Like I, I said, Ryan Tannehill and Matt Ryan. Those were two that I had a tough time necessarily picking. I, and I don't know that I ever actually made a decision. And well, I don't know that I'm ready to make a decision. Matt now Ryan is an interesting Because like, I think there's some hesitation here for us, rightfully so, saying, yeah, he's Kirk Cousins is putting together a career season. But Rami used the word consistency. We want to see more consistency. And you just want to see you want to see this. More often on the road, more often in prime time, more every, often. Almost every quarterback is going to have like one or two stinkers of a game over the course of a season. But yep. I'm uh, I'm looking for a, a pr- close to an elite level of performance week in and week out before I call a guy an elite quarterback or say he's having an elite season. But if he were, if this was the new standard for him, if this was his new, he's gone to a new level with with scheme, with weapons, with comfort, playing at U.S. Bank Stadium. Like this is just Kirk Cousins' new baseline and. The Vikings get to experience uh, all of the upside here of Kirk Cousins. If this is him for like the next three to five years, another f- phrase or two words I would use to describe it is Matt Ryan. Like this is he's sort of Matt, Matt Ryan's career has been kind of fringe top five when he's playing at his best and all of the weapons are in place and he's got the right coordinator in place. He's knocking on the door of an MVP. He won an MVP, right? Not going to go to the Super Bowl every year like a Tom Brady, but I, I think like Kirk Cousins has reached that Matt Ryan level of performance, and the question is, can he do it frequently, or is this just his pop-up career season? And the frustration to me is, if you're the Vikings or a Vikings fan, this would be perfect if the defense was still really good. Yeah. Like this, this would all this, be this would all be coming together perfectly because he's playing really really well. This is what they thought they were adding the, to an elite defense exa- when they yes. signed Kirk Cousins, yeah. and they thought that, and they were probably right. That would have been a formula to at least contend for a Super Bowl. No, they were right, and they said, "Okay, what can we get that that Keenum's 2017 was a one off great year." But what can we get that takes us up that next step? And it's a three-year contract. The idea worked out, or, or the thought process is actually really good, which, which is guaranteed, a lot of money, three-year contract, already really good defense in place, right? Mm-hmm. So, bang, it's going to happen quick. And they were probably right. <laughs> but two things of frustration. One is totally the Vikings' fault, and one is sort of their fault. The defensive drop-off, which... You can argue about who they should have kept, not kept. That's frustrating. But the thing that I go back to that really frustrates me is the opportunity to pounce on this and to maximize Kirk Cousins, to embrace him and say, okay, kid, we know you're not. If we just throw you out there, it's not going to be great. But if we throw you out there with the right tools and, more importantly, the right scheme and coaching, you can be really good, which is to go back to our Super Bowl week Radio Row conversations, Phil, what we kept saying, which is get him out of Washington and get him the right people here. And that's why I keep saying 2018 to me makes you want to rip your hair out because you got cousins and you turned them loose. So instead of saying, what can we do to surround him with everything? Most importantly, the coaching and scheme. Mm-hmm. You're like, this guy from Philadelphia, he beat us and man, he's going to be great. Well, of course he's not. And you still had a top five defense last year. I know, but that's what. They sort of self sabotage right. themselves by getting cousins, and instead of instead of saying, "Boy, 
you've got attributes, but we but it's our job to bring those out. You know, because if you sign, I don't know, if you go get um 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 pick a top QB, Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. and you could probably pretty much plop him in and say, like, go to it, kid. But Kirk's not that guy. So last year is really frustrating because you go back now and say, what if you had done this Yeah, with that defense? Well, so I have a dumb question real quick here. Nick Foles was benched, right? It wasn't an injury. Nick Foles was just He's flat benched, benched for Gardner Minshew, okay? Correct. So go back to the Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl, and Nick Foles is the Super Bowl hero uh, filling in for uh, injured Carson Wentz, and you had a classic case of success by association with John Filippo, right? Everyone thought, oh, man, well, who's the guy that got all of that out of Nick Foles, right? Boy, that's John Filippo guy, and the Vikings fell into that trap. The Vikings thought John Filippo was part of the engine, and in reality, he was just a passenger to... Uh, Doug Peterson and other mastermind and scenes. And, yeah, exactly. Clearly is a good offensive mind. Yep, absolutely. Jacoby Brissett, you would argue, is not a perfect quarterback by any means, but like is better than Nick Foles is right now in Jacksonville and better than probably better than Kirk Cousins was with the Vikings last year. And um, John Filippo comes to Minnesota. Kirk Cousins was pretty much the same guy he was in Washington and was just not good in big spots. Uh, then John Filippo goes to Jacksonville. They bring in Nick Foles for a bunch of money. And uh, Nick Foles is a disaster. He's 0-4, completion percentage down uh, 7% from the year before, and he's benched. Four games in, he's benched. I never thought Nick Foles was that good. Did you guys ever think Nick Foles was a really good quarterback? In the right, like, padding and system. Like, he had that one year with, was it uh, the Chip Kelly year, right, where he had, like, 27 he's had touchdowns. He's years in Philadelphia, yeah. and it's only been there, though. But, like, you can you can pretty safely look at John Filippo right now and say, all right, his work with Kirk Cousins was a disaster, and his work with Nick Foles outside of the Philadelphia infrastructure is a disaster. And now you've got the right coaching staff and the right scheme and the right weapons around Kirk Cousins, and this is what you get. So if, if, if I, I go with Judd here and say, what would have happened if you put all these things around him in the first year and the defense was better? Would they have had a shot last year to make a run, to win two or three extra games in the regular season? And I think the answer is absolutely yes. Yeah. I mean, it's... Tough to go back now and have that discussion because now, now your task is go win the next three and see if you can fix your defense to ride the wave that you're currently riding, right? Yeah. So, But I, I don't think that it's far-fetched to go back and look at where the Vikings had blips and failures last year and say, oh, no, those were unavoidable failures. I think you could easily look at a team that could have, if nothing else, been a playoff team for sure. For sure. You know. I think more times than not, Teams, like we're talking about with the Vikings last year, they will go and get who they think is the best coordinator, the hot commodity. Coming off that Super Bowl, DeFilippo was a hot commodity as an offensive coordinator around the NFL. And so they went and got him and thought, he'll just make Kirk Cousins better because he's a good coach and he made Carson Wentz do this. So he'll he'll be able to make Kirk Cousins better. I hope, I think, because I've been saying this for years, that what the Baltimore Ravens are doing with Lamar Jackson is going to change the way organizations and coaches look at their systems. Rather than getting a guy and trying to plug him into a system, you design a system around a guy and his strengths and what he can do instead of asking him to do things that he can't do or he's just not he doesn't excel at. The frustrating thing with what you just said, which is exactly right to me, is this. Zimmer is more than willing, and I think has proven, despite the fact that he's an older guy, coach, 
to be adaptable at what he knows. Defense, right? He'll mm-hmm. change things. Now, sometimes he can be a little bit slow, but for the most part, he's changed things if teams catch on. Uh, the problem, the frustrating thing about the Vikings' offensive issues was that it's almost sometimes I feel I feel like, like the offense has been a burden for Mike. And so the Vikings hired DeFilippo based on the fact that their beloved defense got picked apart by Philadelphia. So instead of saying, is this going to work with Cousins? And we know en- enough about Kirk's time in Washington that with uh, Shanahan, he was fantastic. They just said, oh my gosh, the Eagles just basically found us out defensively. So that must work. Yeah, yeah. So this is... Uh... Boy, this is going to be such a fun three-week stretch. I think we've, we're like in this eye of the the storm right now where you had the bye week. Detroit was definitely that. The I, Detroit game. That's but so true. Kind of, it's kind of been just a little bit of a lull here in the Viking season. But these next three games, you got a road game against Phillip Rivers. you got Packers and Bears, and you're also scoreboard watching Rams, scoreboard watching Bears, Packers. By the way, Bears, Packers can be heard right here on Score North at noon really? on Sunday. That's really? Right. Bears Packers on the call, right you know? here on Score North. I don't have that information in front of me. Nice. But I'm sure two very capable people, if not three, <laughs> very are going to be on that call. Uh can I uh let's do this. Let's do this right now, Rami. Let's uh let's play this for Judd. Right. I don't think Judd's heard this yet. In fact, I let's just play a game of who is, who, who who is, is this in the clip. Well, who is this? All right. Okay. Maybe you know, and if you know that's okay, and we'll just have fun with it. All right. Um, I don't know. I haven't really thought about how it correlates. It's just trying to do my thing, and I think that that's what's best, so that's what we're trying to do. Steve, Phil asked you about the chores. Do you have a memory of your first football chore or one of your first football chores that he asked you to do? Yeah, I got a couple memories of those. And you want to share? Any good? Uh, yeah, those are between me and him, yeah. What's the best way to build? We laugh about him now. When did you first start watching film? Like he started when he was in high school. Um, I... I've been watching it for a while. Uh, like I said, football is my thing. Um, I remember watching primetime with Chris Berman back when I lived in Cleveland and just watching highlights, learning, going into my dad's office in uh, Cleveland, spending time there trying to watch film. Like I said, I don't think I knew what I was doing, but I was trying. So other kids are watching cartoons, you were watching film? Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I just wanted to spend time around football, spend time around my dad. Thank you, Steve. Figure I'll ask. Any shot you can tell us who's calling plays on your defense? I got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Belichick. Yeah, I saw Bill, that. Bill Belichick's kid. He's the safeties coach. Two thoughts. The the <laughs> the end there is sort of sad because it's clear that you know Dad didn't really care about Steve. Unless that's Steve what I took film. away from this. Yes, <laughs> Steve was ignored completely. That's exactly what I so, took away from this. I felt so bad for him. Steve, I felt sort of bad for Steve, but the other thing, and I said this a couple days ago, I'm sorry, his last name might be Belichick. There is no way on God's green earth I'm ever hiring that guy to be my, my coach because I think he's going to be just like the rest of the disciples from his old man. Awful. Oh, he's got the genes, though. He's yeah, got that's what people said. I don't trust him. He it. might be the exception, Judd. I, don't, I just don't trust I'm not going to be the guy to find out. It might he be wrong. Lo- he looks and sounds like someone who was raised in a dark film room. <laughs> he has an unironic mullet and hasn't shaved go, in months. Go back and look at the old man in, in the seventies when I believe he was an assistant. I think his first assistant job was on the Lion staff too, because young father and son now both look like they work in I don't know where. But they, well, this like Steve looks like. Have you guys ever seen the movie The Burbs? That creepy weird neighbor guy <laughs> with the red hair. 
Actually, he's um, I don't know. He's Joe really Dirt. Right? He does. Yes, yes. 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 Joe Dirt. Yes, yes. yes. he's oh Joe Dirt. Goodness. I could have put my he finger on it, but yes, that is amazing. He's Joe Dirt. Oh my God, Judd, just stumbling upon that one. But yeah, I, I felt bad for him after I watched I that and too. listened to it. Like, yeah, I just want to be around my dad. That was a dude Which he, was one? Ju- he was just looking for dad's love and acceptance. So he'd go in the film yeah. room and and be interested in that because that's what dad was interested in. Exactly. Which football kid do you feel worse for? Uh, Steve Bilicek here who just wanted to be around his dad and watch film with him or the Spielmans who weren't fed if they didn't get 10 tackles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, St- Steve, because the Spielmans got tough love. That's tough love. Not Did being you guys, um, tough love. I don't know. I haven't really thought about how it was. <laughs> Listen to him. Find the old man. Juxtapose the, the old man. You think you like football? Bill Belichick doesn't just like football. He f- loves football. They're all good. Yeah, they're all good. So, yeah, every one of them. Treadwell, um, Thielen, Diggs, Rudolph, the backs, quarterback. Um, they could pick. They're all good. Um, I don't know. I haven't really thought about how it goes. It's just, just trying to do my thing, and I think that that's what's best. That's so incredible, man. That's what we're trying to do. <laughs> wow. Oh, my wow. God, dude. That's so hilarious. That's crazy. Did you guys ever see uh, oh, Tua's, the story about Tua and his dad and, and growing up in that football family? Oh. It's not re- It's not really funny at all, but... And Tua, like, talks about this like it's a good thing and thanks his dad for it. I think it was an E60 special that they did. I'm not sure. But they interviewed Tua and his dad, and his dad would talk, like, proudly about taking the belt to his kids when they had a bad game. Like, he'd throw throw three interceptions, and dad's whipping out the belt after the game. It's crazy. Reminds me of, uh, what's that, uh, Adam Sandler movie with the uh, the guy with the, Water the feet. Boy. No, oh no, that's a good one too. Okay, Mr. Uh, Deeds. Mr. Deeds. You guys see Mr. Deeds? <laughs> yes. And there's the yes. quarterback who's the spoil the spoiled brat quarterback who's going to be the number one overall pick. No, Daddy, no. <laughs> the, dad, the dad takes the belt to him. It's crazy, and two is like appreciative of it, like glad that his dad raised him this way. It's insane. It's a um, I don't know. I haven't really thought about how it correlates. It's just trying to do my thing and. Nick, Nick Saban's a walk in the park compared to, to his dad. Really? That's what For that real. means. Yes. The quarterback cesspool mm. challenge. When we come back, Mackie and Judd with Rami on Score North. Jonathan here with the Score North download. Destination Winter St. Paul featuring the Wells Fargo Winter Skate and the Scaring Financial Super Slide is open now through February 22nd at CHS Field in St. Paul. The Wells Fargo Winter Skate opens daily at 11 a.m. and the Securian Financial Super Slide is open Thursday through Sunday. For more information, visit scorenorth.com. Keyword winter. Vikings releasing their injury report as we head into Vikings Chargers this weekend. New additions today, J. Ron Curse, who did not practice due to a toe injury, and B.C. Johnson was limited in practice with a what's listed as a quad injury. Also did not practice today, Alexander Madison, while Adam Thielen was a limited participant in practice today. That's been your score with Donald. Let's now see back. if he gets the show right here. Mackie and Judd with Ron. Yes, is that it? There it is. Did I get it right? Well done. Quarterback Cesspool Challenge. Oh boy. I thought this was now. Purple Daily. That's <laughs> one of the four shows that we do. That a boy. Nice there job. Quarterback Cesspool Challenge. It's hard being a quarterback in the NFL. We couldn't complete a pass. We sucked. Each week. 
Mackie, Judd, and Rami look for the worst of the worst quarterback performances. The interceptions. Intercepted! What is going on tonight? The strip sacks. And the ball's out again! And the Bills recovered again! The ineptitude. I mean, it's absolutely pitiful. It's the quarterback cesspool challenge on Score North. And that's the fifth interception today. And we have drama in the quarterback cesspool challenge. In the standings of the quarterback cesspool challenge. Someone has been charging down the backstretch here. And we'll get to that in just a second. But the goal of this segment is to identify the worst quarterback performances in the NFL on a weekly basis. We look for the garbage quarterbacks. And so far this season, they haven't been that hard to find unless you're me, basically. <laughs> or Rami, really. We've only, we, each of us have only won once, and we didn't win this week either. Uh, but let's go through the picks from last week, and then we'll make our picks for this week. It's going to be slim pickings if you've already burned some of your Gardner Minshews and Luke Falks and other crappy backup caliber quarterbacks. But <sighs> I've been sitting on Mitch Trubisky all year, gentlemen. Just waiting to play the Mitch Trubisky card. Like, when's the perfect time to play the Mitch Trubisky card? waited way too long. And I Mm -hmm. thought, short week, Rams defense, ferocious front. They played the Rams, right, last Thursday? Yeah. And uh, Mitch Trubisky went on to... Cowboys? Oh, that's right. It was Cowboys. Cowboys. They lost to the Rams. Whoever the hell it was. Mm -hmm. Mitch Trubisky... Went off. Put up an 80.5 QBR on a 1 to 100 scale. MVP, baby. Maybe the best game of his entire career. One of the best performances of any quarterback that anyone has picked so far this season in the quarterback cesspool challenge. Actually, it's second only to Ryan Fitzpatrick's 84.3 in week seven and Mitch Trubisky's 84.3. That Judd had in week four. That was the game, just to be clear, that he got hurt early and had to leave against the Vikings. And so that's the only reason why it was that hot. Keep doubting my guy. Keep doubting my guy. Well, I wish I could pick him again and Mm -hmm. doubt him again. Oh, I will. That's not how this works. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Rami, you picked Gardner Minshew, and you, and you successfully identified him being crappy. He had a 36.8 QBR. Not crappy enough, though, huh? Not crappy enough to win. Jonathan also picked a crappy quarterback in Dwayne Haskins, who had... That's a foolproof pick. Every week, that guy's just a he dumpster fire. He won the past fire. two weeks. Well, his team won. Yeah. His team won the past two weeks. Well, he won our challenge, is what I should say. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Did his team win last week? No, they got beat by the Packers yeah. last week. Okay. Uh, he had a 27.3 QBR on a 1 to 100 scale. It's pretty bad. But not as bad as this guy. David Blau. And down goes Blau in the arms of Daniil Hunter. Poor, poor David Blau. And Blau looking around and runs into trouble. Second sack for Daniil Hunter. And down he goes all the way back to the 28-yard line. And that's the third sack of the game by Daniil Hunter. It was a rough day for the Lions' third-string quarterback. And with a 20.7 QBR by David Blau, Judd is this week's QB cesspool challenge winner. Thank you, David Blau. Thank you very much. David Blau, you're the greatest. And that win by Judd Zolgad is his third win in the last four weeks. And he now ties Jonathan Harrison with six victories so far. It doesn't matter how you were doing in September. It only matters how you're doing now. I am the New England Patriots. Take that. Just like my Bears getting on a roll. 
Well, you're the Patriots before this year. Yeah, no. You're yeah. actually the Jonathan's I'm the, the Patriots, Patriots this for, year. I'm the Patriots yeah. for years. Yeah. So Judd now has six victories on the season. Jonathan with six victories. Rami and I each have one victory apiece in the quarterback cesspool challenge. And the rules are simple. We can each pick one quarterback once all season. So once you fire your David Blau bullet, you can't pick him again. And we all have to pick different quarterbacks each week. It's a draft. And uh, we go in reverse order of the standings. So for like the fifth time in the last six weeks, I get the honors because I'm just getting <laughs> smoked in this game. And uh, Jonathan, you can even... T- I've already... I entered my pick into the spreadsheet like yeah. 15 minutes ago. Which Rami doesn't ever check. No, no. I don't. I'm checking it right now. So we're good. So I'm going to let Jonathan yeah. announce my pick for me. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> For his first pick this week, Phil is going with the guy who's playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, David Blau. All right. I know that Tampa Bay gives up a ton of yards, and anyone should be able to carve them, but it's David Blau. Okay. I'm not, I'm not going to wait we another week to pick David Blau. we could actually have both quarterbacks from that game in the challenge. We could. Very well could. Yes. Is it so? It's my turn now. It's round yes. next. Yep. Do you Give need me. us to tell you which quarterbacks no, you've chosen again? Pretty sure I have not fired my Sam Darnold bullet. Give me Sam Darnold tonight against the Baltimore Ravens. Wow. Checking. You haven't chosen him. Good job. All right. <laughs> okay. Real quick. Yes. Did we ever find out if that Doug Gottlieb take was a real thing? Apparently, Doug Gottlieb said he'd real. take Sam Darnold over Lamar Jackson. What? It was tweeted. Uh, it was tweeted, and it looks like it's hooked up to to the show. So I think it's real. That goodness. It wasn't just like some fan trying to make fun of Gottlieb. I think Gottlieb actually today in the last couple of days has said that. I'm trying to figure out the angle there. Like, what is hot the hot take artist? Yeah, he's trying to be. But it's not even like a hot take has to be at least somewhat plausible. Oh no, trying to be Skip Bayless, but That's you're not even good a really at that. Dumb take. Mm. Yes, it is. Goodness. Interesting. Uh, next up is Jonathan Harrison. You know what? Sure, he had a near-perfect game last week against the Texans, but this time he's going into Arrowhead against Chief defense that just held Brady to a sub-40 QBR and Derek Carr to a sub-10 QBR the week before that. Give me Drew Locke. Wow. Look at you. I Drew doubt was John Elway's chances of or ability you know, to locate a QB. You've done this a bunch this year. And starting in week one, I think you went Cam Newton, and I laughed at you and mocked you, and you ended up being right, so... I'm hesitant to mock you, but that's a that's a gutsy call. Yeah, I feel like uh, it's been it's been six weeks since Jonathan has won here, but he's definitely putting in more research than either Rami or I have put in all year. So, <laughs> oh well, process over results. I love the rustling of papers when we do stuff like this from Judd as he's going through his research, <laughs> and it's always just the newspaper. I have <laughs> yeah, no, what are you, I have what are you no, I've got a notepad. This time right it's here. his notepad. Yeah, this time okay. I ran these by he's not Declan. Looking up the box scores four from op- Sunday. Four options. You left them all there. For me, guys. I know I had all. Well, my you're getting help there. from you're getting help from outsiders. Here. I have the quote from. I Doug told Gottlieb, Declan by the my way, four options. I'm going to go with the pretty and pink quarterback. He's going against the Buffalo Bills. Ducky Hodges. Oh, Devlin Hodges. Hodges. I thought about against it. the Buffalo Bills. He's actually been okay. He has been okay, but Buffalo is a tough defense. So I'm going based on uh, the toughness of the opponent that he's going against. All right. So there it is. That is the Ducky. quarterback cesspool challenge every single week here. You guys we, want to hear what Doug Gottlieb actually said? Yeah. I'm looking at the quote right now. It said, he said, uh, this was today on his radio show. I would still, to this day, take Sam Darnold over Lamar Jackson. It's the long-term play. If you want to tell me that Lamar Jackson is a good long-term play, then you're going to tell me that Cam Newton was a good long-term play, too. Lamar is Cam without the attitude and arrogance. You have to be mobile, but you also have to be able to throw and complete passes. He can do it on multiple platforms, but he never throws outside the numbers unless they change the rules to where they can't hit you outside the pocket. 
They're going to catch you and hit you. Cam was the biggest, strongest, and most athletic quarterback we've ever seen, and his body broke down at 30. We're supposed to accept, expect Lamar's to be different? Okay, but if... I, well, wow. Now, Doug I, just, Farrar, I just took the bait hard there by even saying anything. But. Doug Farrar of uh, NFL Network, he... Uh, he Outright disproved the myth that he never throws outside. He says Lamar on out, fade, and seam, 41 of 63, 558 yards, 438 air yards, seven touchdowns, only three interceptions. Only Tom Brady has more touchdown passes on these route concepts, minimum 25 attempts. Yeah, like, I mean, okay, let's bring, let's bring Pat in. For, that was, that was a Doug Gottlieb take about Sam Darnold over Lamar Jackson. And here's my thought, because this is the debate about Lamar Jackson. Do you want to have the best quarterback in the NFL or like one of the top three most dangerous quarterbacks in the NFL for five guaranteed years? Or do you want a pocket guy who's going to be healthy till he's 40 but have nowhere near the peak of a Lamar Jackson? Like, I'd rather well, just ride the wave for six or seven years. I have never sided with Doug Gottlieb on any argument in my life. So I'm not going to start. No, I'll tell you that. One of the biggest morons in the business. So, uh, yep. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to pass on siding with him. I'll take Lamar and hope he uh, gets uh, smart enough not to get uh, hit as much as he's getting hit right now. But. Uh, uh, I don't know. What have we seen from Darnold to make us? Uh, I, I guess he's. I think he's got a chance to be not quite as good as Kirk Cousins when he matures. Don't you? Yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah, I don't think he's. I don't think he's going to be great. I. I don't know. It is going to be interesting. All Lamar definitely is the test case for uh, the future of quarterbacking in the NFL, right? Yes. I mean, if he does yes. break down after three years, people are going to say, see, see, I'm not drafting one of these guys. I'm drafting some big, slow white guy who can stand back there but, in the pocket and make a jackass out of himself like Phil Rivers does eight games a year. But but even if it's, let's say, let's use your three-year, this is where I might even push back and say, if I get someone who's that good for three years and I also get, the, the Ravens get the benefit of having drafted him late in the first round and they already have a really good team. Yeah. Like, that's the prerequisite. You can't, have him while you're building for three or four years, and then he gets hurt before your roster is complete. But if you can add him to a great roster, you can win a Super Bowl. If they win the Super Bowl right now, which they probably are going to, I think they're the best team in the NFL. Uh, you know why not? That was that that worked. It worked. Mm-hmm. If you win the Super Bowl right off the bat, doesn't it? Yeah. Wouldn't uh, would, there's a few Viking fans who might trade uh, a three year quarterback uh, for a uh, Super Bowl? Don't you think? Absolutely. Uh, yes. So, Patrick, did, mm-hmm. did you see that, that uh, during their time in San Diego, Scott Morris clients, three of them, Rendon, Cole, and Strasburg, <laughs> a combi- I figured it out today. Nine what? Nine. No. Nine, According to the story I found, those three, Rendon, Cole, and Strasburg, eight twenty four, eight hundred twenty four million dollars. Rendon got seven years, two forty five. Cole okay, got. I was doing. Yeah. I was doing the math in my head today while I was driving. So eight twenty four. Eight twenty four is the number for the board, for the and, three boards uh, clients. You know, if you're uh, if you're competing for the highest of the high clients with Scott, that's going to look pretty good on his business card, isn't it? Uh, yes. This time, usually he has to wait till February to get him to cave. Right? This time they caved in December, and he got more than anyone could possibly have imagined. He is the genius of baseball. There's no doubt about it. He is so, you know. Marvin Miller was the previous genius at baseball because he was so much smarter than the owners. This guy knows how to play their egos more than anybody, and it's hard to believe 
when he started off 30-some years ago, he, our guy George Brophy was screaming obscenity at him in the Twins' office, telling him he was as horse bleep as an agent as he was as a baseball player. Because he, uh, he tried, I, I think he tried to, I think he got signed, didn't he? Didn't he play one year in minor league ball? I don't know. like that. Yeah, that's my that's my favorite story ever when uh, uh, Brophy's in there screaming it. I think Tim Belcher, when Tim Belcher was the number one <laughs> overall pick and the yep. Twins didn't sign him, and Brophy was screaming like a lunatic first year in the Metrodome, which he could. I love George, but he had the Irish temper and uh, <laughs> was screaming at him, and he slammed down the phone, and the new secretary said to Jim Rantz, Brophy's assistant, he says, is Mr. Brophy okay? And Rat says, yeah, he was just talking to his wife. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that was an operation, you know, when Brophy was uh, farm director, scouting director, and basically de facto general manager. Now we got like 25 guys for those positions. So, But Boris, is he's uh, – I had a nice talk with him when he brought uh, Royce Lewis to town, and uh, he, he is a sharp cookie, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah, What so what, what do you think at this point, assuming now that Los Angeles teams are in on Bumgarner and and Hyunjin Ryu, if those guys are just no longer... I'll take Keiko. I've decided I'll take Keiko. Okay. <laughs> I, was up, I, was, I was looking up his stuff yesterday. He got sick. Uh, 12 out of the 19 times, and he only failed to go five once out of 19 times. He only got terribly, I mean, he got hammered two or three times where he pitched into the sixth, but uh, he only got hammered about three of the times, and uh, I heard some stuff about uh, the Korean lad today that I might I might, I might go with Dallas. Uh, I, I was talking to somebody, and Apparently, uh, our, our guy, uh, how do we pronounce it? Ryu. Uh, Ryu, uh, he's been known to miss curfew even when there isn't one. Really? So, uh, <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. Sounds like my type of guy. He likes the, uh, he likes the lifestyle that used to be practiced by many, many baseball players. He's been known to uh, tip back a couple uh, mango white claws yeah. once in a while? Likes the uh, likes the uh, likes the big cigar, staying out late, and uh, maybe maybe hanging out. That's that's what I heard. Well, and him would be great friends. Pat would he he can give give him all the scoops. Yeah, he smoke cigar bar in Fort Myers, right? I called. Uh, I talked to Lavelle today about something else and said at least when I went out and wasted the company's money on the baseball winter meetings, I'd at least get a Rule Five guy for God's sake. I'd at least come back with Jose Morbon or somebody like that. And you, they didn't even bring us back a Rule Five guy for goodness sake. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of an empty. And they, they got five spots on their forty man. What uh, what what the heck? I suppose I think some of these uh, guys are still floating around who got non tender. Don't you? They're probably going to get a couple of those guys, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the rumor, the word is that there was everybody was so hung up on uh, giving out big contracts and fighting to get the few uh, prime free agents that uh, there were very few trades. But they uh, they expect that. You know, it's not like the trades used to always be made at the winter meetings, and now they go on all winter. And I think the Twins still expect to do some things in January. So, uh, Pat, we want to we want to play some audio for you. All right. All right, let's go. Um, I haven't really thought about how it correlates. It's just trying to do my thing, and I think that that's what's best. So, 
That's what we're trying to do. Steve Phil asked you about that's the chore. Do you have memory of your first right. football chore, one of your first football chores that he asked you to do? Yeah, I got a couple memories of those. <laughs> Anyone share? <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. Belichick's kid. <laughs> we uh, we played this for Suits a couple days ago too. Suits was uh, Suits was not impressed. He's unbelievable. This is unbelievable, isn't it? It's great. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure people are very excited about. Yeah, why don't you get some college job, some Division two college job, or something somewhere to get started? I, I would think. I figure uh, he'll just be there, and then like like. Like royalty, he'll just get, he'll be the heir to the throne when Belichick is ready to walk away. Well, maybe he'll be the one Belichick assistant who can actually coach because exactly. none of the rest of them have been able to. I don't trust him, do Pat. That. I don't trust any of them. Mm-hmm. Well, I've. I've had I, I've had an afternoon that I don't know is depressing or not, but uh, uh, St. Cloud dropping football, St. John's going to the semifinals. Uh, I was looking up some stuff from my St. Cloud Times Day when they used to play each other. Man, that is something. That writing is something. Forty graphs without a quote, play by play, basically. It's unbelievable. There's not an interesting sentence in it all. I wrote it. <laughs> God almighty is amazing. And they don't say stuff, they lament stuff. Bill lamented, you know, he lamented in the old style of of not saying said and lamented. Oh man, it's terrible. Wow. I can't believe I had a career. <laughs> Uh, Pat, we've got uh, we got a couple minutes here, and we, we I don't want to leave yesterday hanging for another day here. We, we want you to tell Rami the in two minutes the Don Vogel drive him home story here. Don Vogel, yeah, Don, Don Vogel, uh, big Bears fan, just just like you, Rami, uh, was was born without sight, so he's blind, right? But a big character, wonderful guy, and uh, he and I have a bet on a Bears game. Dinner at Murray's and uh, the uh, Vikings win, so he's got to take me to Murray's. So I, we, I drive him from the station. No, I, his guy drives him to Murray's. I meet him there, and he he gobbles down like five martinis. He doesn't get out of the house that much open, so he gets hammered, and then he's eating steak with his hands, and then he's but he's great. I mean, I love him, except when we drive him home. I I know he lives in Highland Parkway. And I'm, I'm saying, okay, Don, where do you live? And he said, I don't know. <laughs> I'm blind. I don't know. The guy drops me off. I don't know. He didn't know his so address? I, no, he didn't know. He just had this guy drop him off. So he finally says, well, look for the porch light. And if you've ever been on Highland Parkway, every house is the same, and they all got that little alcove with a porch in Finally, after driving up and down the street for about 20 minutes, I see this woman looking out the, the door, uh, window uh, uh, pensively, and I walk up and say, are you looking for a, a blind, uh, hard-drinking uh, radio personality? And she said, yes. I said, well, okay, I got him in the car. Amazing. He Amazing. was a beauty. Yep. He, we had him and Firestone on together, and Firestone had to admit that he, that Vogel did a better co-sell than he did impersonation. Really? Yeah. He was, he was fantastic. Great impersonator. So if you want to be a great impersonator, don't be cited. That's the, uh, that's the moral of that. Drink a lot of martinis. All right, Pat, we'll see you tomorrow. Bad drink. See you. Goodbye. All right. Bye. <laughs>
That's amazing. <laughs> Eating steak with his hands. <laughs> Are you looking for a... <laughs> A blind fella with his hands. That's a whole other story. We'll get that one tomorrow. All right. right. You can find Maggie and Judd with Rami, our podcast on Apple or Spotify. Please leave us a five star review. If you could be so kind and say something nice about Judd or any of us, really. And uh, the score on that is another place. All right. We'll see you guys tomorrow for write that down predictions.